Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. I hope that everyone is doing well on this Tuesday. Got a fun show planned for you as we get set for the upcoming college football season. We've got our Big Ten and Big 12 conference previews transitioning to the NFL for a good portion of the remainder of the week, but we're going to have some fun talking college ball today. We've got Player of the Week coming up a little bit later. Birthdays and Sports tonight, Lee TV Guide, and Brandon Marcello stops by. My co-host today... Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress join me here inside our studio as again we had just a short two-hour show yesterday before the Atlanta Falcons played their second preseason game of this 2022 season so you got to listen to Falcons football last night right here on Tiger 95.9 FM and we certainly hope that you enjoyed the opportunity to do that always fun to listen to Wes Durham and Dave Archer on the call for Falcons football one week closer to the start of the NFL season so uh, the Braves had a win last night again you can listen to every Braves game on 1230 WAUD here within our Tiger Communications family of radio stations we truly do have you covered when it comes to sports we've got everything that you could possibly want and need in your sports life so with that being said let's get set to jump into today's program here on Sports Call Today and I've got Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress here with me hello Ryan uh, hello, JJ. Uh, <laughs> Slipped up on Brooks Brooks's last name. <laughs> yeah. um, First time that's happened. Yeah, but uh, good to be with you again today. Uh, enjoyed a hot, hotly contested Braves game last night. A uh, very uh, low-scoring night in Major League Baseball. A lot of games feel like they were won with three or four runs on the board, and the Braves, no exception. Good to see Michael Harris. He had a big two-run homer in the middle of that game. Give the Braves a 2-1 to one victory, best start of the Braves tenure for Jake Odorizzi by far. And so that was good to see, and the Mets lost to the Yankees. So that was also good news for Atlanta. So the deficit's three games, and Braves hanging in there on that front. But excited to be talking some of these other big conferences because, of course, J.J., as you know, last week when you were out doing Auburn soccer, the Auburn soccer complex, me and Brant did a superlative show. And so when we do college football superlatives, obviously that opens the floor to the entire country. And so we kind of skirted the topics of some of these conferences, some of these big teams in these conferences. But we didn't obviously deep dive into the makeup of what each conference is going to be going through this year. The Big Ten and Big 12, obviously, look, the Big Ten's clearly the second-best conference in college football. Uh, they're obviously making moves to try and improve that standing in future years. Uh, ultimately, I think they're still short for now, but um, 
they have been the number two conference pretty easily for a while. There's certainly other conferences that have their their run in the sun. They have uh, a year or two where they are pretty competitive. But nevertheless, the Big Ten has kind of held on as number two for a while. So that's going to be important to talk about the makeup of that conference. And obviously Auburn will see one of the better teams from that conference in their non-conference schedule this year. And then with the Big 12, obviously, uh, the Big 12 losing their two prime teams, the SEC, and the really weird look that they're going to have next year, assuming Oklahoma and Texas still are in the league, when UCF and BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati all join it. So, Big 12, this is the last year the Big 12 will look the way it looks right now. Whether Oklahoma and Texas are still in it not next year remains to be seen. But regardless, those AAC, AAC teams plus BYU are coming next year. So, this is the last year the Big 12 will look this way. So, excited to talk about that and much more on the show today. It's going to be fun. If you want to be a part of the program, you can call and chat with us, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We will get a little bit deeper into college football. And again, Brandon Marcello joins the program later as well. We'll learn uh, the Auburn football captains set to speak with the media a little bit later tonight. Brian Harson will address the folks as well. And the big question out there still with Auburn football, who's going to be the starting quarterback? Yeah, and you would think that the decision's coming any day now. I know there's some thoughts that Tuesday being today could be a, a big day for it. And look, I mean, the, the talk about why you need to get a guy to decide upon is you're starting extended game week prep uh, around this time. And I mean, that's really exciting to say. But nevertheless, I mean, you've got a game here, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. And if you were on a bye week, you would start preparing for the next team right about now. So, um, I expect this decision to come either today, maybe tomorrow, certainly by the end of this this grouping of weekdays here because uh, you got to kind of move forward and, and give the keys over to somebody, even if those keys are only uh, only good for one door, even if there um, is going to be a kind of an ongoing battle, so to speak, with, with the first sign of weakness, maybe someone else getting an opportunity. No, no matter what, someone is going to get this job uh, and, they've, and they need to be notified of it. So everything we've heard here recently, uh, contrary to what we heard over the summer when Zach Calzada started to gain a lot of momentum, yeah. everything we've seen, everything we've heard, uh, trends in TJ Finley's direction. And I, I honestly, like, I think even at this point, the more interesting thing is to see if Calzada held on to second string because I think Robbie Ashford has pushed him for that. Um, and obviously, it's a completely different skill set. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Calzada, even in losing this job, would necessarily be number two on the initial depth chart. Maybe, you know, as we always see with football, maybe you have have the starter and then you have second is Zach Calzada or Robbie Ashford, the dreaded or word that does not uh, clearly define which rank you are in. So maybe that's the case too. But yeah, certainly I think you're going to see a decision here in, in maybe today, but, but certainly in a matter of days, no more. Yesterday it was a tweet from Brandon Marcello who said, hey, you're hearing rumors that Zach Calzada could be the number three quarterback on the depth chart for Auburn that really made it more of a national talking point and so hey we got Brandon Marcello coming up on the show today to talk a little bit about that it's awesome when uh, timely things work out like that and we mentioned this Auburn football team I think you make a great point because after that scrimmage on Saturday Coach Harson let it be known that Auburn football has exited fall camp they are no longer in fall camp the school semester has started 
Off day yesterday, today starts game prep. It is game week practices, an extra week's worth of doing that, but there's no fall camp anymore. There's no catch up to speed or anything like that. We got to get ready to rock and roll, and you got Mercer coming to town next Saturday. Right. And so, you know, even though it is Mercer and you you have the tendency to think, well, you don't need two weeks of prep for Mercer, I mean, you do need a dress rehearsal, right? Because this is the first time that this entire unit of a team is going through a game week prep. And so, uh, even if it's not necessarily two weeks worth of Mercer that you're needing, you need just the experience of what a game week feels like. So uh, that's a good point. And again, that's why I expect, you know, I would just be shocked if you get past this week and you still don't know going into the weekend. I think it has to come by by Friday. And like I said, I would not be surprised if it comes out today or tomorrow. Uh, it's any day now. And a lot of these jobs are starting to get wrapped up now around the country. There's still a few more, still a couple more SEC jobs, to be fair, that are not completely decided and uh, i look at another one you know in oxford for example between luke altmeyer and jackson dart that one's not sold yet and i think that's one that everyone was really excited to see jackson dart be involved in uh but nevertheless he's not been named the starter just yet maybe that'll change today i don't know but uh still plenty of jobs are are open and up for grabs in the country but with that said, I think you're going to get a slew of decisions here this week because you know you, you can't go into the final few days not knowing. And if you that that would seem to be a problem, honestly, if you're three days away from kickoffs, like I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a decision will be made soon. It'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll get a lot of thoughts about it, but but it's got to be coming soon. Really, could be tonight. Brian Harson scheduled to meet with the media around 6:30 tonight. So of course, we will be off the air but you'll be able to follow along online to see what the news is. Alright, we've got to take our first time out of the hour. James from Montgomery is first up on the program. James joins the show right after this commercial break. That's coming up next here on Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on a Tuesday, WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM in the Auburn and Opelika area. Also on the Tiger Communications app, our show is available on the go wherever you go by downloading the Tiger Communications app. It is free on both iPhones and Androids. And again, just hit listen live. And you're listening to us. You can go listen to Kate 99.9 FM for 70s and 80s music. You know, we're always alternative when sports calls not on the air here on Tiger 95.9 FM. We've got FM Talk. Great shows over there as well. Braves Baseball, 1230 WAUD. A lot of cool things happening here within the Tiger Communications family of radio stations. What we want to do right now is take your phone calls, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 to be on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Joining us now, James from Montgomery. James has called into sports call today. Hey, James. Hello, War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I am ready for college football season. It's right around the corner as well. Are you ready? I am ready for week zero. I am actually ready 
to actually see some of the new teams actually being played for Week Zero, as well as to kick off the 2022 college football season as well. Yeah, what do you think? This Saturday is Week Zero, and did, did you see where Northwestern and Nebraska are playing their football game? Yes, I actually did see where uh, the University of Nebraska is actually playing their games this year, but um, I could I couldn't um, I don't know where they actually playing it at, but I did see it on um, on on the ACC network, but they didn't say where they were going to be playing at. Uh, this year. Yeah, uh, Nebraska and Northwestern out of the Big Ten, but they're going to play in Ireland on Saturday, James. Now, actually, that would be a very, very, very good thing for the Nebraska Cornhuskers to actually play across the pond in Ireland, and I think that's going to be a really good... um, It's going to be a really good... um, How should I say it? A, A really good sportsmanship event for uh, the, the the University of Nebraska to actually take their team out to a beautiful place in Ireland. It's one of the most iconic places in the world. I would love to go with them. But, you know, I mean, we should do some uh, iconic over-the-seas kind of games like that as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, look, we, we've got fun venues across the sport. Northwestern, the Wildcats will also be there in Ireland to take on Nebraska. So we've got to figure out which team's going to have the luck of the Irish this weekend. Yes, as well, because I am actually going to be watching that game very closely, and I think that will be Nebraska to actually have the luck of the Irish over there in Ireland. And it's going to be a really fun event, and it's going to be a historic event for the first time for Nebraska Cornhuskers to actually take the uh, Nebraska football team out there to Ireland as well. Yeah, really exciting stuff. And then Vanderbilt in the SEC coming up on Saturday. Vanderbilt, they're going all the way to Hawaii. It's going to be the Vanderbilt Commodores versus the Hawaii Warriors. Yes, I am actually going to watch that game this weekend, and I do have... Um, I do have the Hawaiian Warriors actually beating the Vanderbilt Commodores this weekend as well, and it's one of my favorite um, venues to actually see, and I would like to go out there sometime real soon to actually take in a lot of sights and sounds of the beautiful Hawaii uh landscape as well yeah hawaii's got to be absolutely beautiful i've never had the opportunity of going but i look forward to the day that i get to go for the first time yes as well and then for the first time ever for the history of the college football hall of fame in atlanta georgia they're actually doing for the first time ever on this day on august the 23rd 2014 was when they actually open their doors in Atlanta, Georgia, to open up the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia as well. That's almost 10 years ago. Yes, as well. It's one of the best venues in the South. It has a lot of history. It has a lot of sight, sounds, smells. I mean, you, if you're a college football fan and you want to know about your favorite team, the history of your team, I mean, you can actually feel the uh, the vibration of that team uh, wrapping around, like wrapping its arms around you as well. And basically when I went after they opened up their doors, I actually saw a lot of history of the Auburn Tigers 
from the path all the way up to what it is now, and it's one of the best universities ever. I've seen so many mini games that Auburn actually played over the years. Some of them are, uh, to my knowledge, I know one was the Iron Bowl of, um, of 2000, 2001, and 2002 Iron Bowl season. And then I saw um, a history of when Auburn actually played against the University of Georgia Tech as well. And that was a really, uh, it was a really good uh, video that they actually did of Auburn versus uh, Georgia Tech in Auburn, Alabama as well. Yeah, we had a fun time at the College Football Hall of Fame when we did SEC Media Days a little bit earlier this year back in July. So it was a a really fun experience to be there. And again, approaching nearly 10 years old, uh, pretty awesome for that venue to keep growing and for folks to continue to go that way. I know that you wanted to talk about the WNBA playoffs. Yes, yes. The WNBA playoffs start tonight and tomorrow. So tonight I'm actually going to be watching the New York Liberty and the Chicago Sky. So that's round one. And then round two is my Dallas Swings are actually coming back for a second time in WNBA playoff history to actually win. On tomorrow, we're actually playing against the Connecticut Sun. So I think that we're going to actually win at home. So it's going to be a sold-out crowd for that one as well. And I'm going to be rooting and hooting and hollering to see if my Dallas Wings would be winning uh, on Wednesday night as well. So it's going to be a really good matchup as well. That's the best way to do it. Best of three in the first round of the WNBA playoffs. We saw a couple of days ago, Sue Bird made history at 41 years old with a double-double, the oldest player in league history to notch a double-double. The Sun won the first game and then the Wings battled back in game two, so uh, whoever wins game three between the Sun and your Dallas Wings, James, they get the chance to move on to the next round of the playoffs. Yes, as well. So I'm hoping that my Dallas Wings would keep on flying straight through the playoffs and actually um, hosting that good uh, trophy that we've been looking for for almost a decade. So I hope they bring it home to Dallas as well. So I'm going to be behind the Dallas Wings every step of the way. I know that uh, with yesterday's show being on the air, we had the Falcons football game on as well as it was week two of the NFL preseason. What did you think of the Falcons? Yes, the Falcons. I actually had the Atlanta Falcons favored to win, but they could not win it in the fourth quarter. So I had some favorite, but I think they might make a comeback uh, this this time around for the for week three as well. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough road for uh, Marcus Mariota. So he's kind of he's kind of fresh. So he's ha- he has a lot of um, a lot of good players that the Atlanta Falcons actually drafted. So I think with Marcus Mariota, I think he needs a little bit more time on the sidelines to actually read the playbook as well. Only one week left in the NFL preseason. You've got the um, Falcons taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday. Yes, as well. So I do have the Atlanta Falcons actually uh, playing in Jacksonville. So I think that's going to be a good matchup, and I'm hoping that it's going to be a blowout. Um, this coming up week as well. So I'm going to hope and pray that the Atlanta Falcons win week three as well. And then finally uh, in preseason week three, coming up on Friday, your Dallas Cowboys taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, as well. That's going to be a great, great game as well. It's going to be um, it's going to be a big game in Dallas because with 
uh, Dax Prescott actually playing for the first time, and then plus they're going to be doing some special halftime moments of the Dallas Cowboys 2023 Hall of Fame ballot uh, selection um, players that are going to be going into the Hall of Fame next year in 2023. So that's going to be awesome as well. And they're going to have a lot of fun music and a lot of great things like pregame festivities before the big game actually kicks off on Friday afternoon. You think the Cowboys can win it? Um, I think I think we're going to win it because um, I would have to say if we win week three, I think we might have somebody in the backfield, which would be uh, Kayvon or Turpin. He will be uh, he will be actually in the backfield to uh, do another ninety eight yard kickoff return in the first quarter. I mean that was one. One record to actually be stunned by uh, by Turpin as well. Yeah, anytime you get a big play on special teams, I know the coaches absolutely love that. That gets them super excited uh, when their team's able to play well and make those big-time plays on special teams. Yes, as well. And then with the, um, with the um, Pro Football um, Fantasy Draft, I know a lot of people – a lot of uh, commissioners that are trying to do their draft boards right now, they've been asking me, um, will I take uh, Turpin? And that he's, he's on the roster, but he doesn't have any, uh, any scoring roster uh, changes as well. So he's new to the Dallas uh, Cowboys roster. So for anybody out there that wants to play fantasy football, do not take him in your draft. Wait until – the actual season starts, and then that's when you'll take a good uh, a good player like uh, Kevon Turpin as well. All right. You ready for your uh, trivia for today? Yes, I am. All right. We saw that you wanted some cars trivia. Is that right? Yes. All right. Here we go. We've got some questions for you. I've got multiple choice, okay? Multiple choice coming your way. What right. was the most popular foreign car company in the 1950s? Volkswagen, BMW, or Hyundai? What was the most popular foreign car company in the 1950s? Volkswagen, BMW, or Hyundai? That would be Volkswagen. a boy! Absolutely. Absolutely. You like Volkswagen? Well, actually, I do. And actually, Volkswagen is actually a German car company out of Germany as well. There you go. All right, next question. Who sold the most cars in the 1950s? Was it Chevrolet, Oldsmobile, or Pontiac? Chevrolet, Oldsmobile, or Pontiac? Who sold the most cars in the 1950s? That will be Pontiac. Ah, not quite, not quite. You got another guess? Um, I'll take another. I'll take another drive at this one. Um, I will have to say Ford. Chevrolet was the right answer. Uh, Chevrolet. They sold 13 million vehicles in the 1950s. Go Chevy. Yes. All right, and then your last question. The name is Bond. James Bond. And this is the first car that he made famous. Was it the Lincoln Batmobile, the Ford GT40, or was it an Aston Martin? 
Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. This is one of my favorite cars I would love to have driving around. I would have to say it would be the Ashton Martin. You are exactly right, buddy. Way to go. Way to go. And James Bond, man, he made that car famous. Yes, he actually did because I am a huge James Bond fan. I've been seeing it ever since. Uh, the original James Bond when I was just a little kid. I just wanted, when I was a little kid, my dad always sat me in front of the TV and I always wanted to, you know, like put myself in his shoes as a, as a secret spy agent as well with so many different gadgets that he has and some of the beautiful women that he actually admire with his, uh, sleek design of dressing as well yeah he he was a ladies man he certainly was a ladies man yes as well yep all right well maybe one day you'll get to be james bond maybe you'll grow up and you will be that top secret agent oh <laughs> uh, most certainly as well that's perfect all right buddy well we enjoyed the phone call today and look forward to catching up with you again soon okay all right sounds good and war eagle war eagle indeed that's our good buddy james from montgomery and he's joining us here on sports call we're back in a moment tiger 95.9 Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy. The Thunder Chickens are back in action tonight. Our final game of the season. Playoffs this week. Maybe not. Maybe not. We I mean, can, this is our win, final week. It is our final week. But if we win the 630 it's game, we move on. Game. It's our final game. You said it correctly, JJ. <laughs> if we lose at 630, we play Let's at 730. If we or sorry, if we win at six thirty, we play at seven thirty. At least at six thirty, we don't play at all. If we win at seven thirty, we play at eight thirty. If we win at eight thirty, which would be our third game of the evening, we are playing in the championship, which and we like, are playing the championship at nine thirty. That's right. Which means we'll be playing our fourth softball game of the evening. Would our bodies be able to take it? All of us past our athletic prime. Some of us never entered it in the first place. Some of us never entered it in the first place. Four games in one night for a team that has not won a game the entire season. I don't know. I believe in us. I don't know. We'll see if we can get it done. I think we'll get a good three innings in tonight. (laughs) I'm going to go 23 to 2. And uh, well, it was twenty-five to two when we say, played them earlier this year. So I would I would accept some improvement. Do do they score the same amount of runs in the first inning that they did on us the second? This no time? chance. All right, no chance. What right. was it? 17? seventeen. Yep, seventeen Good in the first morning. zero chance. Yeah, it's awful. I don't know. We're throwing out a new battery tonight. This this this, this could be our secret the, formula. This, this pitcher catcher combo has never worked together before. And we'll so. see if it can it can uh, muster up some wins for us. We'll see. Pulling out all the stops here at the end of the season. Let's take some phone calls. Eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger nine to be on the program. Ward damn Steve. Ah, looky there, our good buddy retired Ward damn Steve's now on sports call. Hello, Steve. 
Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks always for taking my phone calls, no matter if it's me. Yes, sir. Uh, listen, uh, they say uh, hope springs eternal. And so uh, you guys can't give up hope now, okay? We can't. We've got to keep fighting until the very end of the season. That's right. No matter what. No okay. matter what. All right, so let's get to it, guys. That's right. Uh, Mr. Jason Caldwell says something interesting, not on the show, but uh, in his uh, column about what he considers to be the more important factors uh, regardless of who the quarterback is. And I thought that might be, you know, really uh, the, the more important issue to look at. Everybody's, you know, grinding their teeth over, is it really Finley? Uh, it's going to be back with his uh, Ashford. But he said that we look at what kind of dramatic improvement will we see or not see from our wide receivers and from the offensive line. Because he went on to say, you can have uh, Jason Campbell or you can have Cam Newton, uh, but if he doesn't anybody to protect him or if he doesn't have any wide receivers to catch the ball, it doesn't matter. Sure, yeah. Agree, disagree, guys. Absolutely. You've got, I mean, obviously we got to get this quarterback position figured out for Auburn, whether it's going to be T.J. Finley, Zach Calzada, Robbie Ashford, whoever it is. But when you throw the football, you want to have some you know, good faith that someone's going to catch it and make a play for you on that end of the field. You want to have good faith that the offensive line in front of you is going to block and keep you upright to make your decision-making a little bit easier at the quarterback <laughs> spot. So it's not just quarterback. Auburn needs all 11 guys on the offensive side of the ball to succeed. All right, well, stay with that uh, theme, guys. If you haven't already, if you're an Auburn fan, you might want to read this article on uh, AuburnWire.com. And it's a column that is entitled, T.J. Finley Isn't the Answer for Brian Harson in Auburn. Have you read the article yet? Haven't got a chance to check that one out. Uh, it comes from Montgomery Advertisers, uh, River Wells. Are you familiar with that uh, sports writer? Actually not, no. Okay, so what he basically says, he says that uh, he says a lot is being made right now about uh, the consistency from Brian Harson's comments and continuity. He said they're important, and that helps uh, the coaching staff feel more comfortable about who's leading the team. But then he goes on to say, Coach Brian Harson shouldn't feel comfortable right now. He says the last thing he needs is to play it safe and go for continuity over risking potential. And he went on to say if the reports that he likes T.J. Finley to start at Auburn have any weight to them, he'd be making exactly the type of decision that is going to get him fired at the end of the year. He went on to explain, he says, uh, continuity, yes, is important, and maybe Finley has that. However, do you want consistency that consists of poor play that gets you nowhere? And he says, Harson needs to abandon the idea of comfortable continuity to save his job. He needs to take a risk. And playing transfer Zach Calzada or Robbie Ashford or even Holden Griner uh, have a much higher potential to produce results than Finley would this year. He says, if Finley is named to start, expect more of the same we've seen of him in the past two years. Now, I take some issue with that because what we saw last year, yes, that that happens, well, then what are they doing saying that he is likely our starter. I mean, why would you do that again, right? Sure. So, you guys, thoughts on uh, disagreeing or agree with this uh, writer's, uh, uh, I guess, uh, conclusion and analysis about the uh, Auburn competition and Harson being too comfortable with uh, consistency that is mediocre? Yeah, so I think the thing here is that 
it kind of shows that this person has like a, a distrust in what's going on in camp because if it was clear that somebody was better then that person would be getting the nod and so when i think of the guys competing with finley particular i I, you know gurner is is a guy obviously and and one day he might be starter but i don't think a true freshman's waltzing in there and starting i don't think that's a realistic way so we're really only talking about ashford and calzada and look i think ashford has a pretty interesting ceiling like i think he has an interesting amount of potential however i don't think this is the correct offense to have him achieve that really high ceiling and and so i don't know what his potential is in this pro style you know balanced offense now uh with calzada you know i i've seen calzada at texas a&m as everyone else has and that alabama game was obviously an incredible game but outside of that game there's not much there and so my question would be are you sure and i would agree there is a little higher potential with calzada than finley i think finley's a little more known commodity than calzada just because finley's been in the sec two years now and calzada's only been one but i don't think calzada like realistically what are we talking about is calzada's potential this season and his ceiling because i don't think his potential is to be a top five quarterback in the sec this year and so we're only talking about his potential being slightly higher than what tj finley is with the acknowledgement that as of right now calzada is not living up to that because he's right. not in first place winning this job so well ron excuse me Rutten, that is what to me right now is so concerning and troubling if you're telling me that a sec quarterback uh who played at a&m uh, is in third place to a never before taken any snaps, you know, not only the SC, but anywhere. A freshman is competing as a tight race, according to Jason Caldwell, between him and Finley. Uh, that is what I'm troubled by. Right, yeah. And, and so what, I, what I'm finding interesting is, and, and sure, everyone's going to form an opinion, but to go down the road of a very staunchly harsh opinion that there is a clear answer here seems uh, you know a a bit bold because i don't think there is a a clear great option here i know that we have some people that that definitely do not want finley they want anything but finley and that's fine but i just don't think that there's an answer that gives you an automatic i feel great about this you know I, i just think you have three quarterbacks that have issues and sure there's a path to each one of them having their own bit of successes and what that looks like is different for everybody but i i just don't think that there's a home run answer on this roster and i think that's just what's become clear in, in the hopes that calzada would develop and build off of his first year at a&m the hopes that ashford would bring flair and the hopes that finley would would with continuity and another year progress with that he would develop i i don't think that we're we've seen that so far and we're not gonna see that unless unless something surprising happens especially starting with Penn State week so look I again I I I certainly understand people are going to have their preference okay everyone's going to form an opinion there but I don't think that there is a clear you would be stupid if you did blank because there's just not any real separation and there's too many issues that everyone in the race has and just call me stupid off the bat because I thought 
Zach Calzada. I know you heard me guys say it. New I thought he was going to be our starter. No, 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 no. Well, you're no, not the only yeah, one. I, no, I and I thought he would have been too, Steve, because everything we heard in the summer was how much how you know how hard he was working and and how he had the tools and that sort of thing. And you match that up with his time at A and M last year, and it felt like he would come to the forefront. But for whatever reason, you know, and I think the biggest reason is that shoulder that people are saying it's just it's still just not 100 percent for whatever reason. And look, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've been in a couple practices too when he. He has to kind of turn on that shoulder. He doesn't get turned all the way around every single time. And, and he does have difficulties throwing to his left in particular uh, compared to throwing to his right. And so I, I've seen what people are talking about. I, I've not seen it as often because I haven't been to every practice like all these beat guys, but I've been to a couple and I, I, I see what people are talking about. And so everyone feels that his shoulder is just not 100% and that's preventing him from being whatever he, he could be. And, you know, Ryan, you mentioned uh, home run hire. I can't recall any home run hires in Auburn's history of this rarity when it comes to quarterbacks. Am I recalling that correctly or not? Home, do you say home run hire? When it, comes, yeah, when it comes to quarterbacks. We struggle with getting, you know, really, really just fantastic out-of-the-ballpark, you know, quarterbacks. I mean, and for the most part, yes. Uh, obviously, you know, if you want to go back, you know, Cam was a home run. Kyle uh, Frazier. Right. But Jeremy if you're Johnson, talking about the, the, list. the big recruits that did not work out, Jeremy Johnson was a big recruit. As you said, Kyle Frazier was a big-time recruit. Everyone thought he was going to be uh, Cam Newton 2.0. And, um, you know, to some degree, I mean, I, I'm not throwing this out. I, I don't think it's a disappointment because I think 2017 was so good. I think people were disappointed with Jared Stidham ultimately uh, in, in the 2018 season, obviously. Um I don't think any quarterback other than probably Nick Marshall overachieved what he was expected to do at the quarterback position. Obviously Cam Newton too, but but if you're just talking this last nine or ten years and you're talking about, look, high-quality guys brought it. Joey Gatewood was a big deal. He was a, exactly. a four-star guy, and he really never saw the field or at least only ran the football when he did. So Bo Nix, I could start the Bo Nix discourse about how highly touted he was. And look, he started in this league for three years. He won his games. He made small improvements, and he was decent. But I still think people wanted more out of Bo Nix. And so, yeah, I think that's fair. I think Auburn has obviously struggled to get everything they wanted to get out of their quarterbacks. I don't know if that's just something about Auburn's DNA. We just can't either get the, the best quarterbacks or develop them very well, but that's just been something about uh, Auburn. All right. Got uh, one minute right left now. in the hour, Steve. One All minute right. left. One minute left, guys. What happened today in sports? Two, two particularly important events occurred in sports on this date. What would that be? August 23rd. Tell us. 1947, the first Little League World Series champion was crowned. Oh, wow. Yep. Uh, and it was what? A team from Winsport, Virginia. The name of the team was who? Maynard. Okay. A team from yeah. In fact, 11 to 12 teams that competed in this first tournament were all from Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. And we wouldn't get any outside or you know, out of the U.S. World champion, World Series League World Champion until 1957. And it was who? Mexico. Mexico got it done in 57. Okay. And finally, on this date as well, um, this goes down to infamy. 1989, what happened? Pete Rose got booted from baseball. 
Oh, wow. On this day, all those years ago in 1989. Yep. And I didn't know this. I guess, well, maybe I forgot it. He's also excluded from the uh, Hall of Fame as well, I guess. Yeah. Uh, So there goes that. But he said before that happened, it was not uncommon. In fact, they said it was very common for baseball players to bet. Wow. Uh, so I didn't know that. And, in fact, it didn't come around until 1971, I think it's from the article from the History Channel, that they decided enough was enough, uh, not until then, that uh, they couldn't bet uh, not only in baseball, they couldn't bet in anything. No betting at all. So there you go. Those are two events that happened in sports today. And, uh, you know, Fan Day's coming up uh, Saturday, right? That's right, at, at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's not traditional fan day. The uh, fans will not be able to get autographs uh, with the players. All right, good I'll to hear from you today, Steve. Thank you guys for your time. I know my time is up. I hear the music, so y'all have a safe evening. Hey, come on. You can do it, guys. You can do it tonight. We're going to get it done. Go Thunder Chickens. Thank you, Steve. All right. War Eagle, guys. All right. War Eagle, indeed. There's our good buddy, retired Ordingham Steve, joining us on the program, bringing the first hour of Sports Call to a close. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour of the Bucks, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. All right, here we go. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson and Ryan LaVoy inside our studios. Coming up here at 4.30, Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports will be on the program here with us. I'm alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, as I said, here inside her studio. And we've got Thunder Chickens softball a little bit later tonight, and Brooks is laughing. Yeah, I'm just thinking about what I said in the last hour that we were going to win. Yeah. Yeah. It's humorous. Laughing through the pain. Laughing through the pain. <laughs> That's what we've got to do from time to time. Cry cry in the safety of your own home. If you would like to call in to be a part of the show, you could do that. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 to be a part of our program. We do this each and every day. Gentlemen, let's take this opportunity to celebrate our birthdays in sports. Here we go. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right. Birthdays in sports. Here on August 23rd, 2022, we've got four birthdays to let you know about. Brooks Childress, take it away, sir. All right. 
four birthdays. We'll start you out in the NFL world as a former NFL quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Redskins slash Commanders. Sonny Jurgensen is turning 88 years old today. Wow. It says slash Commanders, but they were not the Commanders when right. he was a quarterback, so just the, the Washington Redskins. He was selected fourth in the fourth round of the 1957 NFL draft by the Eagles out of Duke. Uh, 1960 NFL champion, 1961 first-team All-Pro, a three-time second-teamer All-Pro, five-time Pro Pro Bowler, five-time NFL passing yards leader, two-time NFL passing touchdowns leader, a member of the NFL's 1960s All-Decade team, a member of the Eagles Hall of Fame, member of the Washington Redskins Commanders now Ring uh, Ring of Fame, holds a shared record for longest touchdown passes at 99 yards. So Can't do it Jurgensen. longer than that. No, not really, no. <laughs> um, so, turning 88 years old today, Sonny Jurgensen. Some basketball birthdays to tell you about. Turning at 32 years old is the current shooting guard for the Brooklyn Nets, Seth Curry. It's a Curry birthday. Nice. He went undrafted in the 2013 draft out of Duke. Uh, but How about ma- that? Two birthdays today. It's just pretty awesome. We'll say Seth's from Liberty. <laughs> Go Flames. Uh, but made the D-League with the Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz Warriors. Uh, has played for the Erie Bayhawks in the D-League, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Phoenix Suns, Sacramento Kings, Dallas Mavericks, Portland Trailblazers, and the Philadelphia 76ers currently with the Nets. A two-time NBA D-League All-Star, one-time All-NBA D-League first-teamer, one-time All-NBA D-League third-teamer, a 2014 NBA D-League All-Rookie first team at Duke in 2013 was a Sporting News second-team All-American, and in 2013 the first-team All-ACC, also a 2012 third-team All-ACC pick, Seth Curry is 32 years old today. Happy birthday, Seth. And then a... Seth Curry... No, go ahead. Famously played a basketball game at A.C. Reynolds High School my senior year, I want to say. Did you have to guard him? I did not. Okay. No. I would have said that would have been a privilege. You can say I guarded an NBA guy. I was on the sideline. The entire game, or just yeah. in it on any point. He was. I mean, he was currently playing for Duke. It was a charity event. Oh, oh. yeah. I thought you thought like their high school came and played well, AC Reynolds. No, no. Oh, there's a little bit of an oh. age difference between me and Seth oh. Curry. That's true. We yeah. should have put two. Thirty-two. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, just want you to know yeah. that he played a basketball game at uh, at AC Reynolds High School. Great. It was part of the All <laughs> ACC team that year. Awesome. Go ahead. All right, and then uh, another birthday in the basketball world. Would have turned 44 years old today. Kobe Bryant, the former uh, NBA shooting guard for the Los Angeles Lakers, selected 13th overall in the 1996 NBA draft by the Charlotte Hornets, but was immediately traded to the Lakers. He was a five-time NBA champion, a two-time NBA Finals MVP, a 2008 NBA MVP, an 18-time NBA All-Star, a four-time NBA All-Star Game MVP, an 11-time All-NBA first-teamer, a two-time All-NBA second-teamer, Two-time All-NBA third-teamer, nine-time NBA All-Defensive first-team, three-time All-Defensive second-team, and a two-time NBA scoring champion. He also acquired the nineteen acquired the 1997 NBA Slam Dunk Contest Championship. He was a 1997 NBA All-Rookie second-teamer, a member of the NBA's 75th anniversary team, has his jersey numbers 8 and 24, retired by the Los Angeles Lakers. He was the 1996 Gatorade National Player of the Year, 1996 Naisman Prep Player of the Year, 
and the 1996 McDonald's All-American, as well as the 1996 First Team Parade All-American. Kobe Bryant would have turned 44 years old today. Happy birthday. Rest in peace. That's a goat right there. Kobe. Kobe doing work. 2-4 on the shirt. You know what I'm saying? All right. We got one more to go? Finally, your birthday is today. Turning 73 years old today. Who is it, Brooks? Is the former head of baseball coach for the Auburn Tigers, Hal Baird. His name currently graces wow. the home dugout for the uh, Plainsman Park. 779 career wins as head coach. Spent his uh, from 1985 to 2000 as the Auburn baseball head coach. Prior to that, 1980 to 1984 was the East Carolina baseball coach. There you go. His most famous players he coached included Greg Olson, Bo Jackson, Frank Thomas, and Tim Hudson. Pretty good list. That is a quite a few lists. Good list there. Happy birthday, Coach. And that is your birthdays in sports. Hal Baird is celebrating his birthday today. Sonny Jurgensen, Seth Curry, Kobe Bryant, and Hal Baird all have birthdays today. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you'd like to call in and be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show as we go back to our phone lines and joining us here on the program today is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt has called into the program. Hi there, Matt. What's up? What's up? Hey, JJ. Hey, Brooke. Hey, hey buddy. Matt. Hi, Tom. Tom's not here today. It's me and Brooks. Hey, hey, listen, hey, I, I got a special birthday. Uh, and September the 3rd is my dad's birthday. Oh, All right. really? Yep. All right. Happy early birthday to your dad. And my mom's in December. And, and, and guess how old my mom and dad would be? Uh, how old? I don't 74. know. 74. 74? Yeah, because they were they're both born in 1948, but different different months so right one in september and one in december all right well happy early birthday to them hey so today today uh when i heard that uh the or the oregon quarterback might get some playing time robbie ashford possibly Brooksy, we might get a chance to see him play a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like the, you know, from what we've heard, it's TJ Finley has continues to trend toward that starting position. But, of course, you may see Robbie Ashford play a little bit. You may also see Zach Calzada play a little bit. Uh, I would expect probably you'll see all three quarterbacks. Hopefully you'll see all three quarterbacks in those first uh, couple of games, first three games or two games of the year before you get that Penn State game. Do you think you'll probably see the uh, freshman quarterback in the Penn State game? The uh, Holden Garner in that Penn State game? Definitely not. Yeah, yeah pro- we're not going to get that not, opportunity. Unless something disastrous happens. You think we'll see him in any SEC game, though, probably? I wouldn't say any SEC games. He, he could make an appearance maybe in that Mercer game, maybe in the Western Kentucky game at the end of the year, because you, you can let him play in a certain amount of uh, snaps before that red shirt gets burned. But um, I, I would probably say Holden Garner is probably not going to see the field as much it, un, unless it's a, a you know a blowout game and they put him in in some garbage time situations just to see him getting some game action. Wait, I got a question for you guys. Did you guys hear about a lady got arrested in Atlanta airport? No. Yeah, we we did oh, hear about that. Yeah, that that uh, at, there was a big shooting near the uh, Falcons Radio Network studios. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, she she was arrested in the airport. It, she shot. She shot like a was it two dogs and a young. I believe so. Yeah, obviously our thoughts and prayers are with those impacted, and that's just a, a tragic story to hear about. Yeah, like, 
and there's a lot of shooting going around and stuff. I'm glad they caught. I'm glad they caught her and stuff for that. I yeah. was like, I heard that uh, one of the Braves players got a rip for DUI. Is he definitely off the team now, or is he coming back, or what are they going to do about him? Marcelo Zuna. He played the other day. And uh, and right now he's still on the roster, but I would not be surprised if the Braves decide to make a roster move and take him off the team. But as of right now, he does still play for the team. Hey, you got a hey, a hey, hey, JJ? Any ice can? Why to the Falcons? Yeah, Cam and Brant, both of those guys are, are Falcons fans. They got a big loss yesterday. Yeah. Hey, so hey, I was going to do some. Uh, I was going to do like a one trade uh, real quick, and then I was going to do some like. Uh, high school, high school pick, especially the Auburn Opelika. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do the one Auburn Opelika pick, and then we'll do one trivia question. What kind of trivia do you want today? Uh, let's see. I've never done any of this before. Would like our maybe mm, soccer. All right, soccer trivia. That's going to be fun. Um, all right, so tell me, uh, yeah, let, 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 tell me what you think. Who's going to win, Auburn or Opelika? What's your prediction? Oh, Tiger! What's the score going to be? Uh, oh, Auburn. Uh, thirty-seven to thirteen. Thirty-seven, thirteen, Auburn. Wow, dominant victory for the Tigers. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. All right, are you ready for your soccer question? Yeah, this is SEC soccer. I know. How many minutes are in a game? How many minutes are in a game? I should know this because my niece plays soccer. Yeah. There's, is it 60? Um, not quite. A little bit more than 60. Is it a minute? A little bit more than 60 minutes. Uh, not two, it's not two hours. Ninety 30? minutes. It's an yeah. hour and a half. Ninety minutes. Yeah. So hey, so hey, hey, Brooke. Yeah. So how do you think we'll do the first two games in football? Uh, first two games, I think Auburn should be in a very nice situation. Mercer's an FCS opponent. You should be able to win that game fairly easily. San Jose State poses a little bit more of a problem, but they they've kind of taken a step back in the Mountain West these last couple of years. They were good a couple of years ago, but this last year or two they've they've stepped back a little bit. Haven't gotten as much uh, positivity on the offensive side of the ball for them. So Auburn should come out of these with with two very convincing victories. You you would hope uh, these first two games. When, when's the last time? When's the last time that I know Jehovah State knows about a lot about Harson? Because when he was at Boston State, they played each other. But isn't there a coach that used to coach with Harson that's at our State? Uh, I, that'd be that's a great question. We'd have to look at their coaching roster. I'm sure you know the, the Mountain West guys kind of move around those schools quite a bit. So I'm sure that the, there's coaches out there that have crossed paths with Harson before. If not, you know, on the same coaching staff, they've played against each or they've coached against each other uh, out in the Mountain West. Who all came from Boise State over to Auburn with Harson? 
Do you guys know? A couple of different guys have had stops along the way. I mean, he's worked with Eric Keesaw in the past. He's worked with Jeff Schmetting on his coaching staff. Brad Bardell uh, is someone that he's very familiar with. So several of those guys. All right, we need to do a cheer and get you out of here today, Matt. Five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey. Hey. Booyah. Bye bye, Saban. All right, buddy. Bye bye to you. You have a good hey, rest of your hey, day, Brooke. okay? Hey, Brooke. Hey, Brooke. Yeah. Hey, Brooke. Hey, next Monday, be on the show next Monday. I'll see what I can we'll do. We'll see if we can make that happen. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. All right. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our good pal Matt from Tallahassee joining us there on the program. Let's take our first commercial break of hour number two. We're back with more Sports Call right after this. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app inside the studio. J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. A lot of phone calls so far. Your thoughts are welcome. 334-887-3401. We've got Big Ten, Big 12 previews coming up a little bit later in the program. And also, we're honored to chat with Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports a little bit later during Sports Call as well. So, uh, it's week Z. I can't believe it. Like, they're going to play football on Saturday. They're going to do it. They're going to do gonna, it. They're going to put that ball in the tee. They're going to kick it. And they're going to attempt to throw it and run it. <laughs> the other team will try and tackle it. And one of the games will not be played on United States soil. Yep. Probably the best game of the day, or at least the most important is actually a conference game. There are some small conference. I think CUSA has a couple conference games. But, uh, yeah, Nebraska and Northwestern will get out of conference game. There you go. In Ireland, of all places. Wow. All right. Before we move forward and before we get to our conversation with Brandon Marcello, let's tell you about our Sports Call Player of the Week. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Auburn Ford Anna Haddock is Sports Call's Player of the Week, brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. The junior leader of the Tigers has two goals and two assists in Auburn soccer's first two games this season, including the game winner against Old Dominion in the first contest of the year. The Tigers have started the season strong, scoring 10 goals in just two games, getting off to a 2-0 start. Anna Haddock is Sports Call's Player of the Week. That is our Sports Call Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Two goals already for Anna Haddock to go along with two assists. Auburn has outscored their opponents 10-0 in those first two matches of the year. Really talented player. A lot of SEC uh, 
conversations around her, a lot of accolades, a lot of praise for what she means to this Auburn soccer program. She's a lot of fun to watch out of the state of Kentucky. And uh, again, going into her junior season, one of the most dynamic scorers in not only the conference, but the country. And she's already got two goals so far in this year. And to hear that she's a junior surprises me because I feel like we've been saying her name for a little while. And I guess that's what happens when you're a really productive player from the time you start playing. And so she's been big for Auburn. Obviously, this Auburn program has really neat expectations. You know, they, they expect to be in the NCAA tournament every year, goals to advance a round or two in the NCAA tournament. And what Coach Hopp has done for them has been incredible. And uh, look, one nothing opening night, that's fair. But 9 nothing over the weekend against a team that I don't know what, I don't know, Southern Miss is in the Sun Belt for. Uh, soccer now i guess but they were in the same conference as right minion so um pretty impressive stuff two teams that played in the ncaa tournament last year and two teams that went head-to-head in the conference usa championship last year two really good teams what happened to southern Miss? <laughs> and mean, auburn just, beat them yeah. uh by combined score of 10 nothing and yeah you say combined score one of them was a single yeah. goal that uh, Steve played it for you on, on Friday show, I guess it was. And that was when I was out not doing the program, doing play-by-play uh, for the SEC Network Plus broadcast of that one. Uh, and then, yeah, against Southern Miss, our good buddy Britt Bowen had nine goal calls to make sure he was ready for watching the ball find the back of the net. Every 10 minutes, essentially. Can be a little difficult. Can be a little difficult. And uh, Britt did a great job with that. He had a lot of uh, opportunities to, to make those goal calls. Yeah, I had a lot of practice. Yeah, no kidding. Match. No kidding. So Anna Haddock is our Sports Call Player of the Week. Congrats to her for that. And again, Player of the Week is brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. Let's take our next commercial break here on the program. On the other side of this break, Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports will be on the program. It's coming up next here on Sports Call. of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95. Point nine. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back into the program here on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress inside our studios here on South College Street. We hope that you're doing well on this Tuesday as the month of August is coming to a close, which means college football season is right around the corner. 11 days and counting until our Auburn Tigers are back on the gridiron. But we've got college football coming up this weekend. It's week zero. And so we want to talk about the start of the college football season with our good buddy Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports, who's joining us now on the program. And Brandon, it's that time of year. We will actually have college football games being played this weekend. How does that make one feel? 
Well, you're not sick and tired of talking about hypothetical realignment and expansion <laughs> and everybody else getting rich in the world than, than you, other than you. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, fortunately for I, I don't know necessarily that we've got to spend as much time uh, on it as someone like you does because we could stick to, to a lot of the Auburn angles and that sort of thing. But, man, it really is going to be a breath of fresh air uh, with these games being played. And one of the big ones, we've got a conference game in Ireland. Like, how do things like this come together? Well, money, again, always <laughs> money. Um, and I'll tell you what, the coaches hate it. They don't like it. They don't <laughs> like doing this. They don't like playing the game there. I mean, equipment managers, I mean, goodness gracious, uh, Nebraska is shipping over 15,000 pounds of equipment uh, this week over to Ireland. There's no telling how much money that's costing them. And they got to wor- worry about some of that stuff getting back in time for their week one game. No doubt. And they're, and they're worried about that themselves. So, you know, as much as the coaches are preparing for the game, of course, they're, all the logistics of it just can be an absolute nightmare. They've been preparing for this for like two years. But, uh, yeah, just uh, it's, um, it's a money thing. And it also, it's funny because some of the locals over there, in fact, I think a local paper was just wrote, someone wrote a column there. It was just absolutely scathing the idea of there being a foot, college football game played there. Um, talking about how it was just uh, despicable in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I, I hate to not – I sound like I'm cynical or whatever, but it's, it's like no one really wants to play the game there, even including the people who live there in Ireland. It's really strange to think about, right? We see a lot of these professional leagues trying to expand uh, outside of the United States, but then it feels like over the past few seasons we've seen a couple of these college football games all of a sudden not being played on U.S. soil. And that's just it just does not make any sense whatsoever. But, hey, we talk dollar signs, and then I, I guess you start to do some things that you're not traditionally used to seeing. Yeah, it sounds like something Larry Scott, the former Pac-12 commissioner, would have come up with and then followed through with. But like a lot of things he talked about, like playing games and overseas, it never came to fruition. So at least we only have to worry about this with the Big Ten. I, I think those days of uh, – college football games being played overseas those are about to end if yeah. i had to had to take a bet on anything well then enjoy it this weekend we'll see who has the luck of the irish between nebraska and northwestern i know uh, auburn folks are going to be glued to the television watching that one it, it just means football's back we're chatting with brandon marcello from 24 7 sports and talking auburn tigers still got to figure out who this starting quarterback is going to be i know coach harson will meet with the media a little bit later today and you'd figure it's got to be any day now where there's going to be some sort of announcement in regards to a starting quarterback, Brandon, right? I would think so. Um, you know, I've been com- keeping up with the, all the quarterback races. There's been, as of right now, 104 starters named and 27 jobs still open in the FBS. So Auburn's one of those those select few, one of those select 27 that have yet to name a starter. Certainly, I'm sure you guys have talked about plenty. It certainly sounds like it's going to be T.J. Finley, which... You know, it's a, this offseason has been a very weird uh, way of doing all that running just to go back to where you started. Um, go, using the transfer portal, getting guys like, obviously, Zach Calzada and then Robbie Ashford and Bo Nix leaving the program to go to Oregon. And, and here we are, T.J. Finley, who played late last season, might end up being your guy anyway, which, you know, I'm not knocking the guy. It's just, man, for all the talk and hypotheticals everybody talks about, uh, everybody's back at square one um, there at Auburn. And, you know, I'm interested to see how that goes. I, I think a lot of people, you look at the schedule, 
it's very possible they start 5-0 and this season. The, the back half of that schedule, however, is just incredibly difficult. But um, T.J. Finley is the type of quarterback they'll be able to navigate some of those uh, those tough early season games and might not be a good idea, obviously, to throw a guy in there who's relatively new at the offense. And in Zach Calzada's instance, for example, someone who's obviously still recovering a bit from his shoulder issues. And Brandon, I want to ask you a little bit of a different question here because I know this goes a few weeks into the season, but um, I want to look at that Penn State game because you mentioned the possibility of a big start for Auburn. Obviously, that game against Penn State and then LSU will be the, the key ones there. When it comes to Penn State, Brandon, I, I feel like I remember at the end when, when everyone does the way too early top 25s, um, Penn State was ranked in the top 15, it felt like, in those. And now we see, as the season's ready, the AP poll, uh, and I think coaches poll, but at least the AP poll not ranked. Uh, what was their offseason like to translate from, I think a lot of people felt they would be ranked, to being unranked, and all of a sudden, they're just a couple spots ahead of Auburn in that preseason AP voting, and, and it feels like Auburn uh, should absolutely value their, their chance in that game. Yeah, it's interesting you mention all that. I think that there's a quite a disparity of people of what side they believe of Penn State this year. Um, Penn State in that bowl game they played just looked completely listless. Obviously, they were dealing with some missing parts, but so was Arkansas in that game. They were without, I think, their top receiver, Traylon Burke. So, you know, it's one of those situations where you look at Penn State, you look at what they've got coming back. I honestly think that Penn State this year is going to be better than they were last year, which is easy to say because of their record. But at least going into this year, I feel much more confident in their running game, especially with the five-star running back they've got there on campus who looks like he's going to end up being their guy. Um, I know Sean Clifford gets, you know, just pushed, pushed aside a lot because he hasn't been very dynamic. They lose, obviously, a just amazing receiver, but they've got a lot of guys coming back on that side of the ball. And I think the question for me is, that can that offensive line hold up? And then also their defensive front. I think they'll be just fine in the secondary. In fact, I've got Penn State, in the, as far as Big Ten teams, Penn State matches up the best with Ohio State and is the biggest threat to knock off Ohio State within that Big Ten, in my opinion, this season. Not to say it's going to happen, but just the matchups and the personnel they have in that defensive secondary matches up pretty well with a goodness gracious otherworldly receiver group that Ohio State has. So going into that uh, game, I think if the, you know, I'm sure there's probably already preseason lines for that type of game. I'd honestly, it'd almost be like a pick 'em to me since it's at Auburn, and maybe I would slightly favor Auburn. But you know, at this point, that's a that's kind of a coin flip game to me, and again. A big reason why I think it's very possible that Auburn starts 5-0 and um, because LSU uh, is having some issues, obviously. They lost a lot of guys, even dating back to midseason last season when uh, Ed O was on his way out. So uh, there's some really good opportunities here for Auburn to feel its way through and get through some growing pains, but also be able to lean on a quote-unquote veteran quarterback like T.J. Finley, who obviously understands the offense, the pieces around him, and can navigate some of these uh, early season landmines, which, to be quite honest, are not nearly as big, even if it is Penn State and LSU, as what faces them on the back half of that, of that schedule with the likes of LSU, A&M, and obviously Alabama. Well, and, and, that, and Georgia. 
<laughs> sure, yeah, in the, in the sixth game of the year. And look, Brady, I mean, obviously there's conversations about what Brian Harson needs to do record-wise this year, that and the other thing. But if you're just looking for a situation which Auburn has this season, it can feel good about. Is it that Penn State game that's like the, fir- like the first really big that's that needs to be a win type of game or is it LSU in the fifth game obviously don't want to even discount Missouri in week four obviously a lot of Auburn people checking that off as a win but Missouri has its own coach that needs to have a good year this year uh so like I I guess the question is which one of those kind of first three uh big FBS games does Auburn need to have circled as it needs to be a win Hmm, that's a great question. I, I would say LSU because LSU is probably not going to be a top 25 team this season, though I think they've got a chance. Penn State probably will be for most of the season, or at least should be because of the pieces they have coming back. Um, so you can chalk up an early season loss to Penn State that's ran, a Penn State team that's maybe ranked to, okay, it's a little bit more difficult than an LSU team near the mid of this middle of the season that's breaking in a lot of new pieces and obviously a new coaching staff and it's at Auburn so maybe that game but I see both games actually pretty similar in a lot of ways uh you lose both I think uh uh that that sets you up for disaster uh, in the back half uh, of that schedule and it's just no good vibes the rest of the way potentially all right, let's look at the the rest of the SEC again, Brandon. And, and we've uh, we've had so many great conversations with people that just have all sorts of opinions. Because I mean, to be quite honest, it feels two through seven uh, in the West, two two through I don't know five in the East, all just a varying amount of opinions. What is the most intriguing situation to you when you're looking at the middle of the SEC, potentially the top middle of the SEC? What what team is most intriguing as as their ceiling and floor, and as they try and sort themselves out and get towards the top of the league well tennessee in the east is really intriguing to me because they remind me a lot of old Miss going into last season where they had an incredible offense a really great quarterback as far as touchdown interception ratio with him and hooker there at tennessee problem is the defense was just absolutely atrocious at times for the balls last season in fact it was one of the worst uh in college football on third downs they just couldn't get off the field and that killed them especially in that one overtime or that one loss they had against Ole Miss with the mustard bottles being thrown on the field. Get off the field a couple times on third down, they win that game, and that season has a much different tenor, even though that season was pretty successful in Heupel's first year. So if that defense can just improve slightly, I'd like them to kind of do what Ole Miss did last season and maybe contend and maybe win 10 games this year if they get some breaks. Um, but that defense has got to be better, especially on third down and the offense got to continue clicking the way it, the way it was last season. So a lot of ifs there. I think the team kind of with like maybe the highest ceiling and the lowest floor as far as win total is probably Ole Miss in the SEC. Um, I still don't quite know what to expect out of them. I mean, they haven't even named a starting quarterback yet, which is interesting to me. Um, there's, they had to fill a lot of roster spots on both offense and defense via the transfer portal. I think a lot of people just sat back and assumed, well, it's just a reload. They're going to bring them all in. These guys have experience. Zach Evans is a really great running back from TCU, which I agree. Um, they'll be able to figure things out at quarterback despite losing, I, I think, the, obviously the best quarterback they've had since Eli Manning. And as far as fitting a system, was about as good as a phase you can get in the Lane Kiffin offense. So how do you repeat what you did last season to win 10 games? I'm not sure you could even with a great quarterback, to be quite honest, because there's got to just be the right fit. 
And so maybe Ole Miss might be a team that could win nine games this year, but it might also be one that could win five, maybe four, if things just go south. Now, I think it'll be somewhere in between, maybe maybe more like a seven-win team this year. But I think there's way too many question marks about the Rebels right now for a lot of people just to kind of sit there and assume to actually put them like maybe third in the SEC West right now behind you know, Alabama and maybe Texas A&M. Brandon, you may have just answered this next question there when you're talking about Ole Miss, but I wanted to get your thoughts on who in the in the Southeastern Conference do you think could be the biggest disappointment this year? Whew, biggest disappointment. You know, no one likes to talk about Kentucky football, even though they're just consistently good under Mark Stoops, and they're winning nine games, eight games, ten games. I, I think Kentucky could maybe be that team that's disappointing. It could maybe – maybe just win six games this year, which, I mean, any other year before the Stoops era would have been pretty good, but yeah. that would be a bit of a disappointment there, especially with the pieces they've got back. Will Levis, a quarterback. Uh, their defense is always good under Mark Stoops. You always count on that, but I think there's a potential there for them to have a little bit of a step back this season and maybe be in that six to seven win range. I've seen some people saying maybe they win 10 this year or maybe even more, which is nuts to me, and I think that, the, that they've got some difficult things and games to, to, to kind of match up with. And as I said, I think Tennessee's going to take a step forward this year. I think Florida's going to take a step forward this year just by uh, the, the, the fact that Anthony Richardson is going to be the quarterback and they're probably going to stick with him instead of just trying to pick and choose what, how they utilize him like they did last season under Dan Mullen. And obviously the things kind of fell apart there near the end of the season. So um, I think Kentucky – could potentially have that uh, disappointment tag on them. Brendan Marcello is our guest here on Sports Call. You can follow him on Twitter, at BMarcello. The time is always greatly appreciated, Brandon. Let us know about a story that you're working on or something that folks should be aware of coming out from you here soon. Yeah, I've got, uh, we call it our ultimate college football preview coming out next week. And then uh, I'm actually working on this whole thing. I mentioned I've been tracking all the quarterback battles. I'm looking at some uh, interesting trends as far as how many quarterbacks are, uh, were on campus a year ago, how many weren't, and why they're the starter where they're at right now. It's a very interesting time because of the transfer portal. No doubt. We'll be on the lookout for it and reading it at 247sports.com. Thanks for the time as always, Brandon. Good to catch up. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Brandon Marcello joining us here on Sports Call. Always one of our favorites when we get the chance to catch up with him. And great insight, as always, into the upcoming college football season. All right, quick timeout. Sports Call continues in a moment. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back in. It's Sports Call WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you just want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts and join ice cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. JJ Jackson hanging out with Brooks Childress and Ryan LaVoy. Thank you again so much 
target pal Brandon Marcello for joining us on the program. Spent a number of years as a beat writer for the Auburn Tigers over at Auburn Undercover. Now he is a national college football reporter for 247 Sports, and it's always fun when we catch up with him here on the radio show. We want to take your phone calls. You can call in and chat with us on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. Joining us now on the program is... Terry from Auburn. Terry from Auburn, formerly of Talladega. Terry's joining us here on the show. Hi, Terry. Guys, how y'all doing today? Doing well, doing well. Fantastic. Guys, if uh, the inevitable happens, and we all think it will, if Brian Harson names T.J. Finley as starter... Um, he just made a group of people's job a lot easier. And this hasn't been brought up, and I think it needs to be talked about. The, the group that, that tried to make the coup against him last year, he just made their job a lot easier because nobody believes in T.J. Finley, and that includes me. I'm tired of hearing the, the Jason Campbell or Cam Newton comparisons because of his size and Jason Campbell's improvement. I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing the man can win a, a lawful award for good humanitarian awards. I'm tired of hearing that, too. Can he play the game? All I know is the sample we've seen in the LSU uniform and Auburn uniform is no, he can't. He folds. And and those guys' jobs may have just gotten easier because if Brian Harson has a four or five win season, he's going back to Idaho. You're not kidding. Yeah. No, you're right. And and I, I do think there's some validity to that. He's got to be banking on the fact that uh, TJ Finley is ready to take a step forward in this second year because uh, that, that offseason chatter will certainly pick back up if there are struggles. And this football team, any football team, you've got to start with successful quarterback play. And what bothers me is we seem to be hearing that T.J. Finley gets everybody lined up right and everybody in the right play. And I just – that bothers me because it's like what I said about Gus Malzahn. He's falling more in love with what he wants and what he needs. And I think Brian Harson learned a lesson in coaching in the Southeastern Conference last year, and I think he's going to learn another one this year. And the lesson he's going to learn this year is he better have somebody who can move around a little bit because the athleticism of players in this league, especially big players like the Davis kid at Georgia last year, 340-pound men are not supposed to be able to run like that. And they, and they do, do in the SEC, yeah. And they do. Maybe that's, that's why, why we're hearing such more... praise for Robbie Ashford, uh, you know, possibly jumping into the second spot because of his ability to move around a little bit. Well, that's what he needs to have. He needs to have somebody that can turn a negative into a positive. And quite honestly, guys, that's something that's going to save his job um, because um, he's banking on T.J. Finley. And I just – look, maybe the kid has gotten better. We'll see. I mean, we're playing a wait-and-see game here. But at the same time – um, you know, what What has he done? I've just seen a guy fall under pressure. And, and you know, it, it makes me think that we've went a whole year and we've come back to where? T.J. Finley. Yeah. The same quarterback that was there against Alabama. So yeah. we went a whole year with controversy, and that's what we come back to. Well, the best thing I could tell you today, Terry, is 11 days. And it's better than yesterday because it was 12 days yesterday and we're 11 days away from getting it all started and actually being able to watch it and figure this out. And before anybody calls up and talks about me in, the, in, in a negative manner, do you know how painful it is to sit and watch this stuff take place at Auburn when your cross-state rival is just kicking butt and taking names? It is awful, yeah. No, and I'm right. They're with you. That's, that's the thing. They're producing Heisman Trophy winners and national championships, and we're satisfied with a, a coach from that wasn't the, wasn't the best. He was just the first guy to say yes. And, and, and we're starting a quarterback that's a perennial loser, quite honestly. And he's, like, he's, not, he's not looked successful at all. And that bothers me that the moral friends aren't more upset about that. And naturally, you're going to hear the company line, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Well, no, there's not. There's really not much you can do about that. They have the best coach in the, ever over there. But there's plenty you can do about what's going on down the road. Yeah. 
and we'll see how that changes this season. Terry, thanks for the call today. All right. Sure. Take care, guys. Terry's bringing us to the end of hour number two. We've got some bills to pay as we've reached the end of the hour, and we'll be back with one more hour of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. A lot to talk about with Auburn trying to settle on a starting quarterback. Also need to discuss the Big 12, Big 10, some conference previews coming up on Sports Call here today. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, my name is J.J. Jackson. Two hours of the Bucks, and we're rolling. hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go whether you're leaving work cruising around town or listening on demand we've still got some fun left for you to be part of the show give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. We hope that you're doing well on this Tuesday. We're moving forward here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. And your thoughts are always welcome on our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. As we move forward with today's program, we do this each and every day. It's time to give you a daily show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, our Daily Show Recap here today on this Tuesday. Mr. Ryan LaVoy, what all has happened on Sports Call today? Well, uh, we just talked to Brandon Marcello, and that was a good time uh, talking all things college football. We also have talked to several callers, and... Uh, we've uh, kind of preliminarily talked about some things Auburn-wise and what we expect in the quarterback position, as has been the case almost every day. So, yeah, a lot of the same. All right, let's move forward with our show, and let's talk about some conferences in the Power Five. We've already done the ACC and the Pac-12. Let's look at the Big 12, guys. Looking at the Big 12 Conference, the way we focused this conversation last week, the way we're going to do it today for these next few segments, not the most detailed, in-depth discussion uh, because of time, circumstances, and that sort of thing. But when you look at the Big 12, the project for Brant and Cam last week will be the same project for Ryan and Brooks here today. Tier these conferences. Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier three, however you think these conferences will oh, like play that. out this year, that's what we're looking at. How do you tier 
these conferences. You start with the Big 12 here. They've got a couple of teams in Oklahoma and Texas who won't be a part of this conference many more years moving forward as they've set up deals to move on to the SEC. But uh, how many teams are in that top tier of the Big 12? I would assume that Oklahoma is going to be on that list for you guys. Right. So let, can I, let me just say here, uh, there's, there's actually four tiers for me in the, in the okay. Big 12. Uh, there's the Kansas tier. They get their own <laughs> we're really bad tier. I like that. That's um, creative. And then there's, I think the top tier is Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I don't think Texas is, quote, back enough to be in that top tier. And they've already had some preseason issues, by the way. They've had some injuries. So they're back at running back and offensive linemen in the preseason. So I don't love Texas being that top tier. I think in the next tier, I'm probably putting Texas, probably putting Iowa State, maybe Kansas State, and what they've done the last couple of years. I know Kansas State uh, traditionally is not um, up there, but I think this year with K State, and you know they they last year. They won eight games. Look, I mean, it's not a small thing. And they, they beat LSU in the bowl game. And so I've seen improvement with them. I think they're in that next tier. And then if I had a third tier, I'd tier it off with West Virginia. TCU's without Gary Patterson now, new head coach in TCU. I forget who it is. Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes, okay. Sonny Dykes. And then Texas Tech, who's kind of been floundering around uh, for a few years now towards the bottom. I've always yeah. kind of liked Texas Tech, but – uh, they they've just not really made any strides in, in recent times. So that's kind of how I see it. Baylor, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, though, I don't know if either one of them has the power to really break free. Uh, Oklahoma without Caleb Williams, I, I kind of like Dylan Gabriel. I'll be interested to see how he fits. But they lose a lot of players. They lost a lot both on offense and defense. New head coach, new identity for Oklahoma football. So. They, they have their questions. Baylor has been offensively challenged over time. I think they lost a decent amount of their defense last year, too, which was a really good defense. Uh, but they've just been offensively challenged. And then Oklahoma State, they, I know for a fact, they lost a ton off their defense. I think they only got three or four returning starters on defense that was surprisingly good last year. So, look, I, I just think every one of those top three teams, while they are, I think, should be separated from the rest of the conference, I don't think one of them will separate themselves from each other, which means the Big 12 is going to have a problem getting a playoff team this year. Brooks? Tier the Big Twelve for me. Um, I'm I'm also going to go with a four tier system, and I'm okay. going to mirror Ryan's and give Kansas their own tier at the very bottom. You're special. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, guys! You made the conference. Um, I'm going to go four teams in my top tier, though. I'm going to go. I think Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State. I'm going to th- actually throw Kansas State up there. I, th- I know they're getting a lot of preseason hype. I really like what that offense is able to do. I know they lost their quarterback in um, in Skylar Thompson last year, but they got the Nebraska transfer, Adrian Martinez, who was at Good Nebraska call. for about 12 years. Now he gets to go spend another couple years at uh, Kansas State. And I think he really fits that system. So I, I think Kansas State can can make a make a, some noise in this conference uh, this year. So I think they're on the back end of that that top tier. Uh, they're teetering on the edge. They could fall into that that second tier. But I think they're. I'm, I would put them in that first tier. Second tier, I'm, I'm the same uh, level as Ryan. I don't think Texas is quite back yet. I, I think that's 
Sarkeesian could potentially have them be going in the right direction. But then again, that's what we said about the last two head coaches for Texas, that they could be going in the right direction. Um, I think that they could upset some folks that don't, you know, you don't think they could be. They maybe could beat Oklahoma this year. I would not count that out. I don't think they'd beat Alabama that second week, though. Um, and then I'm also in that second tier, I'd put, um, I'd put Iowa State in there. Because I like Matt Campbell as a coach, they did lose their top running back. They lost their top quarterback uh, this year. They do have their leading wide receiver back in uh, Xavier Hutchinson, but uh, you lost a lot on that offensive, on the weaponry there last year. I think Matt Campbell's still a good enough coach that can have them contending in the middle of that conference, but I don't think they're quite the same Iowa State team that they have been in the last couple years. I think West Virginia's there too with JT Daniels as their quarterback. I think that uh, this that's fun. Neil Brown has to have a good year this year, or else they're going to start yeah. looking for new coaching. They're not going to sit around and let um, who was the head coach at uh, West Virginia before? He's at Houston now. Holgerson. Holgerson. They're not going to have a Dana Holgerson situation where he's kind of there and he just gets to you know sit around. Neil Brown's got to have a good year this year, so I think they're in that second that that second tier. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to put Texas Tech in that second tier, too. So I guess TCU's only going to be alone in that third tier there, not quite in the Kansas tier. But Texas Tech, they've got Tyler Shuck coming back, who was the Oregon transfer in. This is interesting. I like it. He was the second quarterback ranked in the conference last year in in pass efficiency, and he was just named the starter back uh, at at Texas Tech this past uh, yesterday, I think it was. So I'm going to put them in that second tier, and then TCU is going to be by themselves in that third tier. They're not as bad as as Kansas. They get get to sit there in that third tier. I think Texas Tech could also fall down into that third tier, potentially, but to start the year, I think that they would be they suited in that second tier of teams. Um, And yeah, Kansas is just there. And then taking up space. Can, can I offer a suggestion for the name of the uh, your final of the, tier of the, of the Texas Tech tier yeah, by themselves? No, the TCU tier. Oh no, no. Okay, it was going to be funnier for the Texas Tech. Never mind. TCU is in the tier by themselves. Texas gotcha. Tech, I'm putting in the okay. back you into put the Texas second Tech tier. In and took TCU out. Of the yeah, tier. I was gonna. It was gonna be the uh, Pat Mahomes or Cliff Kingsbury only won eight games with Pat Mahomes tier. <laughs> uh, but never. Mind. I like that. Uh, the final thought here for the Big 12. Again, exciting conference. It's going to be way different in a few years with these teams leaving uh, and going to other conferences. Again, it's a conference that they call themselves the Big 12 and yet only have 10 schools uh, a part of their conference. The most exciting players in these conferences. That's something I want to spotlight as well. B. John Robinson is someone who comes to mind, the running back at Texas. We mentioned great quarterbacks at the top. You look at a team like Oklahoma, who's got Dylan Gabriel. I know Spencer Sanders is someone that people like, the quarterback at Oklahoma State. Any more exciting players that you guys want to give some love to? So, you know, I'll admit, like, I haven't seen this guy play much. I've probably seen him play four quarters of football, okay? But More than a, real, zero a really productive player, along with the Kansas State narrative that we're kind of pushing, like, hey, K-State's running pretty good, as Chris Kleiman does. I think it's fourth year now after his North Dakota State tenure. Look, their running back, Deuce Vaughn, 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns last year. Wow. Over 400 yards receiving, 49 catches. So he's getting four catches a game. He's getting you over 100 yards rushing a game. And he's producing, because he's got four receiving touchdowns, 22 touchdowns on the air. He's producing about two touchdowns a game. So that's someone for Kansas State. That's they're gonna, really exciting. They're going to lean on him a lot. Look, I, I think you, you mentioned the name. I mentioned the name as well. 
I'm just really interested to see what Dylan Gabriel does. At UCF, he was such a high-octane player. I was excited to see him with Malzahn at UCF. He, of course, got hurt about three games in. And look, Oklahoma needs him. Like This is, this is Oklahoma, and they lost their coach. They lost their quarterback. They lost their second quarterback. If it had just been Caleb Williams and Rattler came back, that'd be one thing. But it's a whole new era now at Oklahoma, uh, stepping in with Brent Venables. And so I, I want to see what Dylan Gabriel's like. I anticipate they will still run high octane high paced offense I know that defensive guys don't always love to do that but I think Venables working under Dabo Sweeney for so long will will appreciate the ability of a high octane offense to uh, put pressure on the opposing team's defenses so I just want to see what Dylan Gabriel looks like at Oklahoma I think he's a really exciting player Um, so yeah Kansas State uh, you should definitely look at Deuce Vaughn and then Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma um, I, I'm going to throw out three names, and two of them I already talked about, so I'm not going to stick on them uh, as much. Adrian Martinez in that Kansas State offense, I think he really fits the, what they do at Kansas State. You kind of have a, a mobile quarterback that can also sling the ball around. That's what he kind of did at Nebraska. Um, the Iowa State wide receiver, as I said, Xavier Hutchinson, their leading wide receivers back. I think he can really have a big year this year uh, if, as long as they get a solid quarterback uh, to replace um, – is it Petty? No, it was uh, – uh, no, it was, it was – um, uh, The quarterback at Baylor last year? Purdy. Purdy. Oh, Brock I Purdy. Okay. Yep, Brock, sorry. It was Brock Purdy. And then I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm, I'm going to go back to Iowa State, and their defensive end, Will McDonald. He is coming back tied for the uh, league lead in sacks last year with 11 and a half sacks on the year in the Big Ten, and he's coming back, and he's going to be harassing some Big Ten – or Big 12 quarterbacks uh, this year. So look out for him on the defensive side of the ball. A Big 12 conference that's got a lot of intriguing storylines. Let's talk about the Big Ten. We do that coming up next here on Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Jake Crane, host of The J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress on this Tuesday. Moving forward, 11 days away from Auburn football as they will play Mercer to open up the year. Our college football preview continues today as we're taking a look at the Big 12 and Big 10 conference. And we're going to move forward with uh, the Big 10 We're going to tear these conferences off. We're going to give you the most exciting players to be aware of in the conference. Ryan and Brooks here with me. And we had a tier strictly devoted to the Kansas Jayhawks as the worst team in the conference. Northwestern, Indiana, Rutgers, Illinois, any of those teams worthy of being all by themselves. Or I turn it over to you guys now. How do you tier the Big Ten Conference? Um, no one deserves their own terrible tier. I think the only look, let me power rank this, okay, real quick. Duke gets its own tier in the ACC for being terrible uh, at football. Vandy Correct. gets like its own two tiers. 
of being terrible in the SEC. It's like yeah, it's, the it's they get a tier and then there's a blank tier. It's in like between. it's like decent Vanderbilt and really bad Vanderbilt. Last year was really bad Vanderbilt. Then that's a whole tier for losing to East Tennessee State. Decent but bad Vanderbilt is like the five and seven. We'll win a conference game. We did a great job of scheduling non-conference games that we can win. Good for us, but we still can't make a bowl game. That's like normal decent uh, but bad Vanderbilt. So. I don't think there's a team like that in the Big Ten. I think there is a bottom tier. I don't know why I'm starting the bottom, but it's fun to talk about bad teams. Um, Rutgers, Northwestern, maybe Indiana too in the in the lowest tier. I know Indiana just like two years ago had a really good team, but then they were very disappointing last year. Michael Penix struggled a lot at the quarterback position. They only had two wins last year. Only had two wins last year. I did not remember it was that bad. I thought they were like four or five wins. Yikes. Michael so, Penix, I think, is now at Washington. he transferred. Yes. He won the starting – Brian Marcello talked about it uh, on his Twitter day. He won the starting job there. So, uh, hopefully Washington wins more than two games. But So, all right. Yeah, we'll throw Indiana on that last year. I think the top tier does not include anyone from the West. I don't know if Wisconsin or Iowa are probably on that same level – as Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, maybe even Penn State. We'll see. I don't know. It depends on your opinion. I'll keep it at three like I did for Big 12. I'll go Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. And the next tier, though, it's still really solid. Good teams. Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa. And I'll give you a bonus one. I'll give you Purdue. Yes, I just put Purdue on the same tier as Penn State. But we were talking about this last week. Me and Brant were talking about this. That's Penn State's first game, by the way. That is at Purdue on a Thursday next week, so eight days. That's a big game for them. Purdue won eight games last year. They've got a slew of people back. I think Purdue's going to win eight or nine this year. I, I don't. I don't know their entire schedule, so I can't confidently say like what what other division teams they avoid. But they're in the Wisconsin, Iowa, no, Northwestern division. Minnesota's in that division. They don't have. In the schedule every year, Ohio State, um, Michigan State, Michigan, etc. I'm going to look it up right now who their crosses are. Obviously, they play Penn State to start the year. Uh, they avoid Ohio State. They avoid Michigan. I think Purdue is my Kansas State of the Big Ten this year. I think with their depth, they got nine returning defensive starters on a unit that was top 40 in the country. And giving up points for game 22 and a half last year. They do have six returning offensive starters, but the key there is they return their leading rusher, leading passer, and their number two receiver, who actually had their most touchdowns, Milton Wright. I've just talked an exorbitant amount of time about Purdue, but they belong in that second tier of the Big Ten. And I don't know who else I forgot. I got three terrible teams, three really good teams, four pretty good teams, and what does that leave? Four other teams that are six to seven wins? I don't know. Something like that. Brooks, sort that out for me, please. I don't know if I can Minnesota. Minnesota might be in the second tier. Do you think – you like Minnesota. Is Minnesota in the second tier this year? Uh, well, it's it can, they could be. But I just don't know because they uh, – I was, you know, looking at them. They've got so much talent coming back on the offensive skill positions. They've got more – Tanner Morgan coming back, their starting quarterback. God, Tanner Morgan, is this his sixth year? Yeah, probably. I, mean, I, I, think, I don't think that's rhetorical. I think that's his sixth year. Um, 
Yeah, he's a, it's listing him as a senior. Yeah, he's, so got, he's been there a while. Uh, but Tanner Morgan back at quarterback. You've got Muhammad, Muhammad Ibrahim back at uh, yeah. running back. He got Good injured last back. year, coming making a comeback this year. Uh, Chris Altman-Bell still at wide receiver. Dylan Wright still at wide receiver. Michael Brown-Stevens still at wide receiver. You've got most of your skill guys are still coming back. The question mark for that Minnesota team this year is their entire offensive line is going to be new. The only starter Ooh. returning on that offensive line, uh, projected to return on that offensive line, is the center with John Michael Schmitz. Everybody else is projected to be a new starter on that offensive line uh, next year or this coming year. And so it, it it's, you know, they, and that's been the problem with, um, with, PJ Flex teams here at Minnesota is there's so much turnover with that team. It's either you know the first couple years you had you had guys that immediately left the program and you had to get some young guys in, and now you've got it's just it, it's a, always a revolving door somewhere on this team. Um, I think their defense is fine. They've got you know the six returning offensive starters, six returning defensive starters um, is is what is listed here in Phil Steele, and so you've got some decent playmakers there, but. They, it's a it's a team that if they gels well, they could be in that second tier. But if it doesn't, they could be you know a third tier team maybe. Um, they do get you know easier start to the year: New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado before you get that first conference game. Um, and the, but and you do get the privilege this year of not having to play either Michigan or Ohio State. Your be, your biggest opponent is your first uh, opponent uh, in the Big Ten is at Michigan State. And then you get Purdue, and then you get a bye week. Um, but Minnesota, I mean, it's a team that's got the talent there wep- offensively to win some games. It's just does the offensive line gel together. So, because I'm just thinking about this, I'm trying to put someone in that division up with the big boys, right? Because this is what this is a worse disparity than the West and the East and the SEC. Because at least in the East, you have Georgia right now. And Georgia is not some like decent team. They just won the national championship. They're going to be a 10 or 11 team again, win team again this year. They're going to be a top 10 team, period. That's their baseline. They could be better than top 10, but they're not falling out of the top 10. Um, in this Big Ten, you got Ohio State's going to be a playoff contender. Michigan, who made the playoffs last year, and obviously Michigan's a huge brand. Michigan State, who was so good last year for like eight games. Mel Tucker made millions and millions of dollars because of it. And then they lost a couple down the stretch. It's like, uh uh-oh. But top 20 team. And then Penn State, who we talked about with Brandon Marcello earlier, some like them in the top 15, but ultimately they they shook out just outside the top 25. They expect to be in the top 25, though, the majority of the year, according to Brandon. That's four top 25 teams in that division. The other division, though... Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, Minnesota, etc. Look, Iowa and Wisconsin have had their runs in the sun. Like they've had their teams that made the playoffs or made a New Year's Six Bowl that were top ten, etc. But for this rendition of these teams, here's the problem. Okay, it's it's the question that we've talked about at Auburn with the offensive line. Is it a good thing when you have all of a unit that was not very good back? 
Is that actually a good thing or a bad thing? Will the development process work out the way you hope it does in college, or will it ultimately be a bad thing because those guys are actually just not very good? Iowa was 99th in scoring last year, and they were 121st in total offense last year. That didn't beat many schools. So they've got eight returning offensive starters on a team that was basically the 100th best offense last year. Is that a good or a bad thing? I do not know. And then for Wisconsin, okay, Wisconsin had a top five defense in the country last year they only returned three starters off that defense but you know what they do return off of the number 85 scoring offense they return uh, you know their quarterback and their running back they don't return any receivers though so is it a good thing when you return a quarterback that threw more picks than touchdowns 10 tds is 11 picks only three for 1,900 yards. Is it a good thing when you return that off of a bad offense? So that's my problem with putting anyone in that division in a tier with Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, because I just don't think their offenses can do anything. Uh, not to mention Wisconsin, who generally does have a really good defense. they got to replace everybody. And, and abs- actually, they three of their returners are all in the front seven, so they got nobody back in the secondary. So that's my issue there that's why i put them in tier two i think it could be a big tier two because like you said about minnesota brooks like those are really good skill position players muhammad ibrahim is if you want to talk about most we want to pivot this to most exciting players he can get a vote he absolutely should get a vote because he was really good they were in the process i feel like of upsetting somebody when he got hurt was it ohio state or somebody last year that they were tied or beating and then he got hurt because i feel i i don't know i remember thinking that was a a significant time just for that game in particular not even talking about the rest of the season so they're interesting but there's interesting things about that division it was it was the very first game of the year last year Ohio State uh, 45 31 Ohio State ended up winning that game So, so there you go so I think he's a very exciting player um who who else do you like exciting wise in the Big Ten? I guess. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're thinking about exciting players in the Big Ten, you got to throw out CJ Stroud. Well, sure, yeah. Um, he he's definitely you know uh, one of the guys that is one of the front runners for the Heisman this year. One of the top quarterbacks in the country. Um, and their I, wide receiver Jackson Smith and, and Mincha. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's not one of the Heisman as a wide receiver, but I'm saying he's going to rack it up. He had that 300 yard game in the Rose Bowl last year. Oh yeah. Um, another another quarterback that I really like, and wait, you've mentioned his name. Uh, I don't think you've mentioned it here, but you've mentioned it off the air a little bit. Talia yeah. Tagovailoa. Yeah. Uh, he's he could have a really really big year. He's he's coming back. You look at the 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 Big Ten. I want to look at the Big Ten quarterbacks really quickly. Just a sidebar: the top four quarterbacks in pass efficiency last year are returning. Nice. It's C.J. Stroud, Aiden O'Connell for Purdue, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, who is not uh-huh. their starter. That was Cade McNamara was their starter. Right. He is also returning. He's one of the top ten quarterbacks in um, in fast efficiency. And then Talia Tagovailoa. And so it, it's that you've got some good quarterback talent returning to the Big Ten this year. I want uh, I went to the defensive side of the ball in the Big Ten on the defensive side of the ball or in the Big Twelve. I'm going to go back to that in the Big Ten. Is Penn State's uh, Jair Brown? Okay. Led the conference in interceptions with six last year, returning for that team this year. I think that's really big for Penn State, and I think he could be really, really explosive if he can keep adding to that. He was he was the leader in interceptions with six last year for the conference uh, for the Big Ten. But he was also I was looking here uh, one of the uh, one of the leaders in uh, pass breakups. I think maybe not. I was looking at the uh, no, maybe not. Um, 
but he he led the conference in interceptions. He's a ball hawk. Though. He he what he is six six interceptions on the year. Uh, so I, I think he could be really really exciting to watch. I th- I know I know Auburn fans are not happy to hear that that the conference's leader in interceptions is returning and will be playing the Auburn Tigers week three of the college football season. But I, I think he's got a chance to be a really exciting player in the Big Ten. Yeah. So. I think uh, exciting players, like I said, Ibrahim, if you want to go someone non-Ohio State, but honestly, Ohio State's got one in it. Tragon Henderson, they're running back. Obviously, Stroud, as you said. Uh, Smith and, and Bigja, uh, the wide receiver. And look, I, I want to go back to what you said about Talia. Uh, Maryland is like the perfect Tier 3 team. They're, they're, they don't belong with like Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, but they also are clearly above Rutgers in Indiana. So it, I, I don't know if I ever did Tier 3. I guess all of our leftovers were like Maryland, Nebraska, Illinois in Tier 3. Like that should make a bowl game but could go awry. Um, but, yeah, the exciting players, look, the Big Ten, you need to find some defensive players because yeah. that's a defensive conference outside of Ohio State. I mean, look, I just told you, Wisconsin and Iowa won eight, nine games last year with 100th place offenses. I mean, offenses are just not good at all because they're really good defensively. So really, you're just looking at defensive units uh, as the, uh, quote, exciting parts of the Big Ten. Um, but certainly most of those skill position players are going to be fun to watch, going to be up at Ohio State, a couple at Michigan too. College Football Preview 2022 Sports Call Edition as we're counting down to the days of Auburn football and the SEC being back in action 11 days away. Of course, this weekend we will have some Week Zero matchups. We also want to get you set for the NFL season. We'll have some NFL conversations throughout the rest of the week. Steve Latart of NBC Sports will be on the program tomorrow as we'll talk NASCAR, we'll talk racing ahead of the race at Daytona this upcoming weekend. So busy and fun times ahead for Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We're up against our final break of today's program. When we come back, we've got a nightly TV guide and more here on Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Back into the program, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and uh, Ryan Lavoy. Again, we've got a fun show coming your way tomorrow. Also, Brooks, what's that? We have a hump day update tomorrow. Oh. The first one ever on Sports Call. You'll hump get to learn day. about that. <laughs> hump day. Uh, you'll get to learn a little bit more about that tomorrow. A little bit early for uh, the hump day. That's a premature hump day update, right there. My fault. Everyone's so confused. Yeah, they are confused, so that's why that's what you call a tease. Yeah. In the biz. In the biz. In the biz. That's what you call a tease. Hey, turn your radios on tomorrow 
So you can understand why I'm saying hump day and uh, what hump day update we're going to have for you starting tomorrow and all throughout the college football season. All right. Our show is almost over. We will have a TV guide in just a moment. Before we get to that TV guide, though, I do want to spend uh, just a few minutes and not even minutes. Um, definitely more than one minute, but not two minutes. 90 seconds. How about all right, that? All right. Sure. I want 90 second thoughts on the Atlanta Braves as they get set to play the Pittsburgh like Pirates tonight. Like each. Can we combine it? Let's start right now. All right. Here, I'll don't, put a timer. Don't put let O'Neill Cruz hit more than one home run. Tonight. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's get the timer started. All right. Let's go. 90 second. second thoughts on the Braves. And, you Stop know. Stop talking during his thought. Uh, he just gave me one. Yeah, don't I, let O'Neill Cruz, Cruz hit more than one home run. Hit more than one oh, home run. Oh, we go 90 seconds in the aggregate? Get Ronald Acuna Jr. Yes, together. Okay. Together. Get Ronald Acuna Jr. another home run. Watch out for Brian Reynolds. Let's go Yankees once they play the Mets tonight. Beautiful. That's a good update. They, we can't cut the lead down unless the Mets right. lose too. Right. So. When we lost on Sunday, did the Mets win? No. The Mets had a miraculous comeback. They were down like 6 nothing, 5 nothing to Philly, came back, tied it. And then Philly went back up one, and then the Mets came back and won by one in the or two in the tenth. So that hurt yeah. us. Yeah, we were, the Braves were down four entering last night. They were down three. Okay, um, got to win Ronald the series. I want Ronald Acuna Jr. to get another stolen base because I mean he's, he's, he's been caught the last. He's few been times. caught a little bit. Let's get him back. I want him to hit another home run though. That's a big one. I, I, I would prefer that. His average is up in the two seventies again. You got to get some power. I want to see a multi home run game. The Braves hit home runs. They've been doing it. But I want someone to hit more than one in a game. In one of these next two pirate games, I want a multi-home run game. 13 seconds. Who's pitching? Not Jake Odorizzi. Finally had a good outing last night. Is it Kyle Wright? Who's pitching? I don't know. Kyle Wright was Friday, so I don't know if it would be that quick. Is it Morton? Whoever pitched Thursday then. We're out of time. Morton was Sunday. Okay. Is it Freed? Freed was Saturday. <laughs> Getting wrong. All right, we're over further away. 30 now, officially. Ian Who's, Anderson. Is it, is it Triple yikes. This is bothering me. Who pitches Someone's today? yelling at It the, is Freed. It's Max Freed. Is it really? Yes. I think he just picked, pitched Saturday. Yes, it's Max Freed. Okay. It's Max Freed. All right, here's our team. No, guy. you're right. He did pitch that last night. Our Mets show game. is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Our Nightly TV Guide is brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. All right, Brooks, you have 90 seconds. Oh, Wow. 90 seconds. You're going to be put on the clock, too. All right. Uh, 6.28 tonight on Stars. We're only going to give you one pick for the evening, but it's all you need because at 6.28 on Stars, it's your J.J. Jackson pick Aww. of the evening. This It's Spider-Man No Way Home. Yay! Did you say that's coming back to theaters? Is it really? They announced it, I think, today or yesterday. They announced that they're putting it back in theaters for a little bit. As so. they should. Way Spider-Man, to go. Spider-Man No Way Home. Way to go, Spider-Man. Uh Sports on your television tonight. The Little League World Series gets back underway. Six o'clock tonight on ESPN. Swiper no swipey. That's not that, but That's all right. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> that is Dora the Explorer. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the, the once again, rain is up is uh, causing havoc up there in Williamsport. So who knows what time games are actually going to start, restart. That's at six Which o'clock. Which makes sense because... Yeah, it's outside. Yes, and that's in the state of Pennsylvania, which is also the same state as Pittsburgh. Yes. Which is where the Braves played last night, and yes. the Braves had a rain delay to start the game. You're, yes. 
Is it raining in Pittsburgh? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay, cool. Go Braves. Uh, 6 p.m. on ESPN2. The WNBA playoffs continue on as the Chicago Sky take on the New York Liberty. Sabrina Ineescu's uh, team continues to try to run She's through the She's a playoffs. baller. Uh, 6 o'clock on TBS. Ryan mentioned the New York Yankees host the New York Mets. I, I don't say this often, but go Yankees. And, of course, tonight, 6.05 in Valley Sports South. Max Fried and the Braves take on JT Brubaker and the Pittsburgh He's Pirates. He's got a pretty high ERA. He's 310, a 4.19 ERA. Okay. Yep. Brooks? Yes. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. I love you. Absolutely. All right. Ryan, thanks for being here. There's no rain right now in Pittsburgh. Love you, too. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in and calling in to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Thanks again to Brendan Marcello for joining us. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.